0: Good evening. You got me? Pat, what about you? You got it? You good? Excellent. Alright, that was the second bell, I think. I've had a pretty good day, I hope you have. I had a good enough day that I could get home and take my tie off. That's how good of a day it was. That is a good day. Had time to do that, eat dinner and everything. So, um, For those who are wondering, Emily is in Nashville. Um, She traveled there to see her parents and uh, our oldest... uh, No, I have two daughters. Our youngest daughter, not the oldest, the youngest. uh, She made it safely last night after a few hours of delay. Um, Apparently, Delta does not calculate de-icing in part of that time of transit. And they were a little late getting into Minneapolis, which meant missing one one transfer, but she made it eventually. So uh, she said to tell everybody, hey... And that it is 92 degrees today there. Yeah, well, that's what she actually is like. And I felt like I was walking through a sauna. I said, See, you're used to Alaska now. It was 92, and I think the humidity was around 80%, 75%. So, yeah. That, I mean, that, that really is like a sauna. That's <laughs> be a successful sauna. So. All right. Let's, uh, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we uh, humbly bow before you, asking for you to bless this time we have this evening to spend in your word. And any discussion we have and any lessons we can learn, just help us, Lord, to to let your word speak to us and to open our hearts to what you want us to see and to what you want us to learn, and that we can can let your word be a light in our lives, uh, guiding us in all that we say and do. And uh, just help me as I lead the conversation and the discussion tonight. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And it's through your son's name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so first of all, I am feeling better. And I want to make sure that I give credit where credit is due. I don't know if you've ever taught a class. It takes a lot of preparation. takes a lot of time. I don't know if you've ever taught a class with no warning. So, Danny, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And um, you set the bar pretty high so my wife said, now, you're not going to keep teaching, Danny. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so you did well. And Tony stepped in a couple of times. In fact, Tony stepped in once with zero seconds warning. So I, I appreciate that as well. So thank you to all who helped make that possible. So uh, just so you can think ahead, we are going to be talking tonight about water from the rock. Uh, if we get to it, we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments. And... Um, we might get to the Golden Calf, but I doubt it, but we'll, we'll see if we do. As we move forward, we have about six weeks left. So thinking through the fall, I was talking with Tony and James. Uh, I'm out a couple of the last weeks in November. I'm out a couple of weeks in December. And so I'm going to teach through November the 8th, and then I'm going to step away, which I know brings great joy to many of you. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you like a teacher or not. Five months of it is a lot of it. So uh, James, I think, is going to step in midway through november he will have a new topic so it won't be the same topic um and uh so i've got about six weeks left so that's what we're working towards i try to let you know each week where we're making it if we make it through next would be the spies and rahab then the promised land in jericho and if we have a chance to do a couple of the judges uh, gideon and samuel would be the two that we would probably focus on and then we'll see how far we get so all right exodus chapter 17 Exodus chapter 17. So we've made it across the Red Sea. We're headed towards Mount Sinai. Moses has these like uh, the southwest United States. It's not cactus. I don't know if you've been to this area. So it's desert, but it does have some vegetation. It does have some water, but it's very localized. Um, But it's still desert. So when you're walking through the desert, what's the first thing you think you're going to want? Yeah, water, right? In fact, my lips get dry when I think about it. I've I've walked through the desert before. Um, I've been to the highest sand dunes in the world. And it is impressive when there is not a green piece of anything for 50 or 100 miles. And you just start to feel dry. And you just start, not like in Nashville with 78% humidity. You know, you're talking humidity in single digits. Uh, Your skin gets dry. So you've got a million and a half people. You can't walk up to a little well and say, everybody get water, right? If you you know, if 10 people a minute drink, you're talking about a month to get everybody through type of thing. It just, you, you can't do it. So you've got to have some real water here. You've got to have a real water source. And so the people start to get worried. And in typical Israelite fashion, what do they start doing? Yeah, I I heard some good words come out. Grumbling, complaining, right? Um, And again, we we give the Israelites a hard time, and rightfully so. We see this cycle of God providing, and then they forget, and then they complain, and then God provides, and then they forget, and then they complain. It's a very similar cycle that we're going to see when we come to the judges. The people do what's right in the sight of God. Then they, a generation comes that doesn't remember God, and they fall away, and they get taken into captivity. And then a judge is a deliverer. A judge comes, and they get brought back, and they praise God, and then they fall away, and they get taken into captivity. And, the, and we see that cycle. Uh, and the reason we see that so often is the Israelites is because, guess what? They are human, just like we are. And it is a reminder to us that it is very easy, it is very easy to forget what God has done. It's very easy to forget God's role. And I think that is one of the main reasons and the value of every Sunday being together. And I think that's why we are to take the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Because you say, oh, well, that makes it too routine. You know, I have a lot of routine things I do in my life that aren't bad, right? I don't brush my teeth once a quarter because I don't want to make it routine, right? I don't eat once a quarter because I don't. want That's to too routine to eat every day. That's I'm going to get going to be a habit, right? So God says, "Look, I want you to remember something. I want you to do it every Sunday, right?" Uh, and so that's the value in us coming together. The Israelites are human, and it's easy to say, "Why don't they trust in God?" But when you're in the middle of the desert and you're thirsty, you're thirsty, right? And so in our lives, we get in the desert pretty quickly, figuratively, and God says, you know, the more you're in my word, the more you're around my people, the more you worship me, the easier it's going to be to remember. And so the Israelites get out there, and they have a line. It's, it's great. I don't know what's, I don't know how many lines were said, but it seems that when Moses is writing this, he captures some of these great dramatic lines. It reminds me of my oldest daughter. She was a drama queen. Not just, hey, we need something to drink. Why did you bring us here to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Right? It's got to be, remember the, about the Red Sea? Were there not enough graves in Egypt? Not, hey, they're going to kill it. Were there not enough graves for all of us? We sat around, you know, now we're hungry. We sat around with meat in pots, and they've got this great drama to them. So why did you bring us to kill us with our lives, kill us and our children and our livestock? So God is going to deliver. How does he deliver in Exodus chapter 17? What does he tell Moses to do? Speak to the rock, right? Gives Moses a command. Moses does it. Water is delivered, okay? Now, instead of going in on chronolo- chronology, I want us to now jump to Numbers chapter 20 because there's another incident that's very similar to this. They've wandered in the wilderness for a while. Numbers chapter 20. Guess what? They're in the desert. They don't have any water. And they say, i got to make sure I get the drama right. Um, let me see. Why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? There's no, it's no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranate, and there's no water to drink. Oh, Moses, we have no water to drink. God gives Moses a command in Numbers chapter 20. What is it? Right, so in Exodus 17 was strike the rock, speak to it and strike, right? Numbers chapter 20 is speak to the rock, okay? So what does Moses do in Numbers chapter 20? He strikes it. Now, does that matter? Okay, so first of all, did the water come out? Yes, because what was going to happen was not dependent upon Moses, it was depending upon God. And God was going to give water to the people. So water still comes out. Okay? Moses does speak to it, and he strikes it. But did it matter that he strikes it? And if so, why? He disobeyed God. Were there consequences to what Moses did? What were those consequences? Yeah, so let's think about this. This is a big deal which gets... I mean, it's just a couple verses... Moses' entire reward, here on this earth, we'll say, Moses' entire reason for leading the people was to lead them where? You're going to take them to the promised land. This event changes that. Why does Moses not get to go to the promised land? What's the reason? Oh, okay. Say that again real loud. You did not treat me as holy. Okay? When I was growing up, and I want to make sure that we stop here, because I have learned for the first 40 years of my life, it wasn't until about 10 years ago, Moses didn't get to go to the promised land because he disobeyed God. Let's make it clear, that's not what God says. Now that may be an element, but that's not why Moses... And I've heard this story over and over to be used for a lot of applications. See, God wants exact obedience. And I've heard it applied to worship. This is why we worship a That's not the story here. Let's make it very clear. We're told twice in the scripture why Moses doesn't get to go to the promised land. Because you did not treat me as holy because you did not uphold me as holy. God never says because you disobeyed me. You did not treat me as holy. You did not uphold me as holy. This is one of those lessons. And I've heard sermons. I've heard Bible classes. I mean, literally the first three-fourths of my life, this was a story about obedience. I think obedience matters. But that's not why Moses doesn't get to go to the promised land. What does it mean to treat God as holy? Okay, honor. That's a good word. Honor. Trust. Okay, good. Danny. Reverence. Okay. Set him apart. That's literally what holy means, to be set apart, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So how did Moses fail that? Uh, Do what? Who was was that, Russ? Oh, didn't he equal himself? Let's go to Numbers chapter 20 and verse 10. This is the only thing we know that God said... You didn't treat me as holy. Now, I think we can talk about obedience, because if you're going to honor somebody, you're going to obey them. Hopefully, right? honor your mother and father. But let's look at Numbers chapter 20 and verse 10. This is Moses speaking. Okay, So Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? That's why Moses doesn't go to the promised land. That, that right there, he's not going to the promised land. He hasn't struck it. He hasn't spoke to the rock. He's not going to the promised land because of that right there. It's not an obedience thing, although obedience is an element of holiness, of reverence. Of, it's not what it is. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? If you were in um, the, the class on John about four Sunday mornings ago, uh, the verses we were talking about in John chapter 6, Jesus is talking to them about manna. And he corrects the Pharisees when he said, Moses is not the one who gave you manna in the desert. Right? Oh yeah, Moses did, right? And he could have easily said, Moses didn't part the Red Sea. Moses didn't give you water. Moses didn't deliver you out of Egypt. He could have used any of those examples. The problem is they they revered the prophets, right? And what the prophets did, right? And Moses gave us manna and quail. And Moses, no. Who did Jesus say gave them manna? Your Father in heaven, God, right? Listen, Moses is just a piece, a tool. And I'm not downplaying. God says, you're going to be my mouthpiece. You're going to be my spokesman. You're going to be my leader. But make it very clear. Moses has the power to do nothing short of what God grants him. You didn't treat me as holy. You didn't set me apart. You put yourself on level with me. And God said, I'm sorry, but you will not see the promised land. Now, before we get to some lessons here, oh, go ahead, Tony. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, that's a good point. You know, he's talking about when. Remember Moses making the excuses. Who am I? Are they going to believe me? I can't speak, God. I don't know. And God says, Tony's talking about Exodus chapter four. Aaron's going to be your mouthpiece, and then God shows him some powers, and He says to Aaron, "You will be like." I think the word "a." You will be like God before Him. Right? You will be like God before Him. But Moses forgot. You're not going to be God. You're going to be like God. But it's easy when you get put in that position. It's easy when you get put in that position to start thinking. Pretty cool. I raised my staff. Red Sea parted. Lowered my staff. Red Sea came back together. I went to God. We got manna. I went to God. We got water. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm accomplishing. God says, oh, wait a minute. You forgot. You forgot. You're my mouthpiece. You've got a lot of power. You've got a lot of authority because I gave it to you. And he forgot. Now, you know, that's right. Aaron stood right there, didn't he? That's a good point. His brother didn't go either. Yeah. Because Moses didn't do all this in the closet. Aaron was right there talking. Aaron was a mouthpiece. Aaron was right next to him. I mean, that. At some point Aaron should have said, Oh, whoa, whoa, Moses, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Did you really mean to say that? Right? But I think Aaron, just like Tony, I think Aaron forgot. Hey, you're still my mouthpiece. Right? Now, God is a loving, forgiving God. This is one mess up. Why does this cost him the promised land? Yeah, so, Moses is, I like the word, the head of the entire thing. You know, who's leading the people here? Moses. And with that, I'll expand, expand that a little further, Russ. Who got to be in the presence of God? Right, Moses. Who got to see, remember he got to see part of God and he glowed? He got to hear God's voice directly. All they heard was thunder and, and rumblings. Moses had a conversation with God. God is saying, look, you're not just someone who saw the power of you had a conversation with me. You're in charge of a million and a half people. You did miraculous things through the power I gave you. There is no excuse. Right? This isn't secondhand knowledge. This isn't from a distance. This isn't, oh, we're scared. He had raised Moses up to the head of the whole thing. I like that, head of the whole thing. Right? He sat in the presence of God. Right? face to face, well, face to presence, I don't know exactly how that works, he didn't see his face, right, but he, he saw part of him, he, he heard him, he had a conversation, and God's saying, I expect more from you, I expect more from you because of the position you're in, I expect more from you because of what I gave you, because of what I blessed you with, and so your punishment is going to be greater, and this is an example, this is an example, that was the other thing where I said, and I agree with that, this is an example, doesn't matter who you are on this earth God is still God and you're not right oh we're we'll talking about that one don't don't spoil that one yeah we got that one coming up <laughs> correct Moses Moses is being used as an example this isn't well so what could God have done here he could have written off the whole nation actually right he could have but everybody in the nation didn't have access to God the same way that Moses did. So let me ask this then. We talk about, it's not that it's not equal, you know, we're, we're not like Moses. However, we talk about being the most blessed nation in the world, being the richest nation in the world. As a, as a generation, we have access to more technology, the ability to communicate, the word of God, and any form, any language. If we have been raised up, if we have been blessed, do you think that has any implications to us to what God might expect from us? Again, we're not Moses. But you know, you can kind of see, I've always heard that. What about the poor tribe in Africa who's never heard of God, right? And there's, you know, Romans talks about there's still, you still should acknowledge there's God. There's... And God will work through that, and I think God brings people to those who are looking for him. But we're going to stand before God one day, and he's not going to say, now, wow, Court, I'm surprised you found the word of God. It was hard because we had it, you know, kind of like the dark ages. It just wasn't available. Tony, you preached. That was great because people were shooting at you every day when you preached. And He's going to say, there is no excuse for you, Christian, in the United States who's got more money than 99% of the people who've ever lived on this earth, who's got access to every bit of study and word in any language, in any translation, you know, why weren't you doing the things I asked you to do? Why weren't you trusting in me? You had it easy. I'm not saying we don't have struggles in life. But goodness, let's compare it, right? God's saying to Moses, y- you had too much to mess up this way I raised you to a level and I expected more in fact we know in a couple parables of the New Testament to whom much is given much is going to be expected now again we're not equal with Moses I'm not saying we get to sit and have this conversation with God but we have been raised up above 99% of the people who ever stepped foot on this earth think about that 99% of the people that ever stepped foot on this earth will be less blessed than we are today And God's going to say, as a Christian, what did you do with that? I gave you more than I've given any other person ever. Right? What did you do with that? And it's kind of sobering to think about. I have said, that's a great point, wealth is not necessarily a blessing. This is not a wealth bashing, but I agree completely. For most people, wealth is a hindrance, not a blessing. For the majority of people... Wealth does not bring them closer to God. And I've said all along, if money can keep you out of heaven, don't go buy a lottery ticket because the devil will let you win, right? Right, because, um, you know, Satan can bless us, quote-unquote, with things that we might view as a blessing. And um, I would say to most people, the more money we get, the worse we are. And we don't even realize it. Um, But what we view as necessity, how we give... Um, what we do with our free time in our life. Um, So what's the example of that? And this is going to hit close to home. As a nation, the richer a nation gets, you know what else that means? The fatter they get, right? As a nation, the richer they get beyond a certain point, the earlier they die. Now, I'm not talking about poverty level, but because we start to have more suicide, we start to have more addiction, it's like, wait a minute. Wealth is this blessing. But the more money you get, the more likely you are to die from suicide, from addiction. Now you say, well, what about the people on the street? They weren't always on the street. Usually that's the end product that you see, not the beginning product, right? Um, So, um, yeah, so... um, one more verse, I just wanted to make sure that everyone... So 20, verse 12, we read about why Moses did not make it to the Holy Land. It's repeated again in Deuteronomy thirty-two, fifty-one, and he says to Moses, Because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel, at the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, and because you did not treat me as holy. And it gets back to what Tony said. In 20, it was, You did not uphold me as holy. In Deuteronomy, it's, You did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people. So as Russ was saying, he brought himself up to God. Are we going to give you water from the rock? This these two references are specifically, or these two stories are specifically referenced in the New Testament. If you want to go to 1 Corinthians 10 at some point and look at the first few verses, and this is a reference to how they tested God and complained. And it says in verses five and six, this was written. So that you know what they did. In other words, we, we've always used those verses to say, why is the Old Testament here? What's the lesson for us? But here's what God's saying, yes, these Old Testament children's stories are written so that you don't make the same mistake they made. Um, and then that's the example of Jesus being the water, Jesus being the, the everlasting water, uh, and using that water from the rock. So, Alright, um, and then... One more aspect, uh, when it's talking about what happened at Meribah and at Meribah Kadesh, which are the two incidences here, Masa and Meribah and Meribah Kadesh, it's talking about how the Lord's people put God to the test, and they're condemned for that. So what does it mean to test God? Because testing God is a sin. So what does it mean to test God? Okay, so that could be right. Wanting him to prove himself. That's a good statement. Um, You know, I'm in the foxhole. God, if you do X, then I'll believe you're God and I'll do... Mm, No, 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 no. What else? Does it mean question God? Is it a sin to question God? I would say the answer to that is no as well. It is a sin to question God irreverently. And we can question God in a way that is sinful. Meaning... God, why did you do that angrily, irreverently? But we see in the Bible, God, do you want me to do this? Or God, why did you do that? How we question him for the purpose of better understanding is absolutely appropriate. For the purpose of making sure we don't mess up is absolutely appropriate. Questioning him because he doesn't know what he's doing, that's not the same. What else does it mean to test God? Tony? Hmm. Right. Oh, I like that last word. So Tony's talking about reflecting kind of where you come from and what he's brought you out of. Why did you do that to me? Accusing. Yeah, I I like that word because that accusing God, right? Right. You did this because, or why did you do that? Or you could have done, right? And there's also an element, you talk about where he's brought them from, there's also an element of doubt here, right? So again, God parted the Red Sea, he provided manna, he provided quail, can God also provide water? Yes, right? God provides water from the rock, now, a few years later, can he also provide water from a rock? Yet they test him again, right? So, forgetting what he has done in the past right so that grumbling and doubting and complaining Um, in fact I have one of the lessons written down complaining to God is a sin that's the lesson right that's one of the lessons from this asking God could they have said God we're in the desert we don't see water can you please provide water to us absolutely in fact I would hope they were praying to God or approaching Moses saying can you let us know how God wants us to get water that would be nothing wrong with that God you've done great things in the past we know you can provide water can you show us how that's great that's not what they did I mean it's the I can remember my daughter literally doing this oh we're going to die out here I can remember my daughter physically putting her hand on her forehead she was about four and our best friend looked at my wife and said y'all are in trouble just tell me that right now God, we're going to die out here. We're going to start. So there's a difference between asking God, wanting God to help reveal what He's going to do or making it clear to you, and accusing God or doubting God or grumbling against God. And that's what they were doing is testing. So um, do not test God, is that lesson. Doubting, complaining. um, And I would say, based off of what I see, complaining to God is a sin. Now, complaining does not mean, God, I'm having a hard time in my life, and I can't deal with it right now. I need you. That's not a complaint. That's reaching out to God for help. God, why did you do this to me? Or, God, this is stupid. Or, why am I going through this? That's complaining, right? But I would take it a step further. And this is one that I've... When I teach this lesson, I always have people ask themselves, if I were to go to the elders of your congregation, which here I happen to know them, right? If I were to go to the preachers of your congregation... If I were to go to your family or your best friends, would they say you're a complainer? (laughs) And if so, what does this lesson teach us about complaining, right? Now, I grew up in a family of complainers. I can tell you that. It is one of those things that I fight in my mind, and I have unluckily passed that on to my oldest daughter. The drama queen is also the complainer, right? She she is. But I see complaining as sinful. Complaining never accomplishes anything. Now, working to fix something, not a problem. Saying there's an issue and how are we going to address it or did you know this was going on, that's not a problem. That's not complaining, right? complaining to complain. If the only reason you ever go to the elders is to complain about something at some point, I'm going to be honest with you because the elders are human. They're going to quit listening to you. Oh, they should never do that. You're right, but they're going to. The sky is falling. The sky is falling, right? The sound is bad. The lessons are too long. The music is boring. The It's too hot. It's too cold. We need paint. And at some point, they're going to go, don't care. I'm glad. Have a good day. We're not going to listen to you. And that's just a reality of life. If all you ever do is complain to your spouse at some point, they're going to quit listening to your complaints. At work, at some point, they're going to get rid of you or quit listening to you, right? God's like, I don't want you complaining. Philippians 2. Philippians 2 or 4? Philippians 2. I, went blank I apologize. Philippians 2. God tells Christians to do everything without complaining or grumbling. Oh, man, that's a tough one on me. Because it is a lot easier to complain about the temperature in the auditorium, right? I mean, that's, you make me sweat during services? How dare you? Court, I can't sweat during services. I mean, that is un- that is inhumane, right? Now, air conditioning has not been around for the first 99% of the world, but still, that's inhumane. How dare you? Danny, I saw your hand go up. Mm-hmm. So that's a great example of Habakkuk, when he questions God, and then questions a second time. But in both of those, you see kind of a humility in how he approaches God, not a, God, how dare you, or God, why did this happen? Uh, Some other examples I think of, Job. We see Job question God, and he doesn't get in trouble until he complains to God. Some of my favorite verses in the Bible around Job chapter 31, when he starts complaining, and God says, all right, Job. Sit back, shut up, and cover your mouth. Get ready to take it, because here it comes. You know, He listened to him for a while, and he said, cover your mouth. You're going to question me? No, I'm going to question you. Where were you when I drew uh Gideon. We'll talk about Gideon. I mean, I don't understand why God didn't strike Gideon down. God, if I believe, you know, if, if your saying is true, why don't you make the fleece wet and the ground dry? Well, Okay, God, that was pretty impressive. However, why don't you flip it this time? Let's make sure it wasn't a fluke, right? But in in Habakkuk and with Gideon, I don't see God getting mad, but it has to do with the way they approach that to make sure. And God knew the human side. Remember Elijah? Oh, woe is me, I'm the only one. He's like, no, 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 no. You're not the only one. You may feel like the only one, but there are thousands who have not bowed a knee. Tony, I saw your hand pop up. Correct. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a difference whether we're looking inward or looking outward. And if God is asking us to do something miraculous and we're humans, God understands that as humans we have limitations to our mind. I mean, what God is going to ask Gideon to do, 300 versus tens of thousands, God, I don't want to lead 300 people to their death. And I can't do it, so God, if you'll verify to me that you're in charge and i kind of think that's the way even though he was kind of saying you know, and habakkuk was certainly god I, i'm gonna let you show to me and correct me if i'm wrong i like that you know you mentioned that verse where he said i'll sit here and be corrected by god the approach is if god if i'm saying something wrong i'm sorry i'll take it that's a big difference Then god why did you you know there's a big difference danny i saw your hand my counsel with knowledge without words yeah i mean words without knowledge who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge in other words we've got a few phrases for that in today's society but who's talking out of the wrong part of their body is what he's saying to him right there you have no idea what you're doing you have no idea what you're talking about and we're about to have it on. yep I love that's one of my that whole section is so great. You know, I stretched the 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 ocean from here to here. Did you watch me do that? Were you there when I did that? By the way, when I stretched the ocean, did you were you there when I created this mountain? You know, I just So. Yes. God, are you able to do this? And it's, yeah, it was mm-hmm. right. So, Russ said the line, "You know, faith is really easy till you need it." <laughs> right? That's the line. And and Gideon didn't have faith in himself, and and I think that gets back to when we look at Moses at the beginning. I mean, really, God, you you want me to do this? There's better people than this, right? Why are you choosing me? You know, Gideon, I'm not the person you want. I'm not a, don't you want a great military leader, right? And so it, it was as much Gideon saying, and, and I think in several of these stories, I, I'm not the guy you want. God. There's a lot. There's people that are better than this. I think about It is a lesser version of when we talk about King David being chosen. Because, again, man chooses kings based off of X, Y, and Z. So this great priest, right, who's a holy man who trusts God, says, well, this is the one he's going to choose, right? Well, no, this one is. this one. None of these are the ones. These are the ones I would choose, God. No, see the little runt over there? That's the one we're going to choose. Well, Gideon's thinking the same way, right? Habakkuk's thinking the same way. Moses is thinking the same way. Don't you want the big and the powerful? Doesn't that make sense? Are you sure, God, you want me? And it's okay to have God reveal his will to you and to test your faith and to build you up. There's a difference between that and we complain and test God. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so the example there peter right god if jesus if it's you command me to walk out on the water wasn't that questioning jesus i mean jesus this is somebody remember we already know the apostles didn't really know the full story yet we know it hadn't been fully revealed to them yet we talk about how thick-headed they were but they didn't but i also give peter credit because i only see one person step out of the boat But then he does mess up, right? He fails the test. He starts to sink. But then I like to think he gets a a lifeline because when you are messing up, you want to pass the test, who do you scream out to? Yeah. Jesus saved me, right? So Peter got out of the boat, and then when things didn't go well, he cried out to the right person. So again, asking God for guidance, questioning God is not sinful, provided it's done for the right reasons. God, I don't understand. God, I'm my faith is weak. I need to be, you know, shored up here. God, this doesn't make sense. I need some clarification, or I just want to make sure I've got this right. Versus, why are you doing this? Woe is me. God, you have led us out here to die in the desert, right? I die in the desert. Um. The other lesson I have from this, because we see it twice about the reason Moses doesn't get to go into the promised land. God is holy. You know, we could stop right there. But God is holy and deserves to be treated as such. And every aspect of what that means, and y'all gave some good examples of that. That means we do set him apart. We do not, even though we have access to God, we sometimes view our New Testament blood of Christ access to God we need to make sure we don't take that for granted or treat it flippantly. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. We have access to the Holy of Holies, right? The veil has been torn. That is wonderful. But that doesn't mean God and I are bosom buddies, right? That doesn't mean I approach God when I feel like it and I don't when I don't have right? Because that's what I do with my friends. If, if I'm kind of busy, they understand I don't really have time for them. That's not, that's not way, the way my relationship is with God. So God is holy. He is set apart. Our relationship to him is different. The way we treat him is different. The way we talk to him is different. the way we talk about him is different we'll see in the you know in the in the Ten Commandments the way we use his name is different the way we refer to his word the way we honor him that was I think court used that one that means obedience right so if i'm going to honor my mother and father and they ask me to do something that's part of that honoring is obedience and so God is holy and deserves to be treated as such and then Making sure that we give credit to God. Okay, We don't ever raise ourselves up to God. And you may say, oh, I would never do that. I, I agree, most of us wouldn't do what King Herod does. Remember that in the New Testament? Oh, you're a God, and he's like, yeah, he's dead, and people, you know, worms are eating him, and the dogs are eating him. Most of us aren't going to do that. But we can do that in other ways. We can take credit for things that God is doing, and we can do that in our personal lives, or we can do that in church. I think this is a real um, temptation that occurs in churches that are doing well, particularly with ministers and elders or people that are leading certain ministries. It is very easy. Uh, so I've told y'all one of my best friends is Dale Jenkins. He works with four or 5,000 preachers regularly, and he'll tell you it is really tempting when a church is doing well to that preacher because it is really easy to talk about well you know they got so and so as a preacher and look at how they grew right because he's a good preacher because he has a good message because he's very charismatic or you know the elders just say man we have really got things going well here this new program we came up with you know and we just have to make sure we give credit where credit is due right I've seen wonderful preachers preach in small churches preaching churches that are that are declining, not because they're a bad preacher, right? And I've seen bad preachers being a church that grows, okay? And not because they're a good preacher. God has a lot of influence. Sin has a lot of influence. The world has a lot of influence. But when things are going well, when the church is flourishing, when people are becoming Christians, let's give credit to God. You know, when when money is flowing in, when we aren't having to struggle to pay our bills, uh, let's give credit to God. And I mean that also in our personal lives. Look at what I've accomplished in my life. woo I mean, it is all me, Court. I was very successful in med school. My wife had nothing to do with it. That's right. I mean, it's all me, right? It'd be very easy to do that, and we wouldn't maybe be that blatant because most of us, right? My wife would, I mean, I would be in the hospital recovering. But, it, you know, we wouldn't be quite that blatant, but we can. I deserve Retirement because I have really worked a long, hard life, right? You know what? That work at the church is for someone else. I've put in my time. I've done what I need to do. All you're doing there is saying, I've accomplished all these things. It's time for me to take a step back, Or my authority, right? When I raise my rules or my objections up to the level of God, and again, we have to be careful. That is putting ourselves with God, you know, we can come up with rules that are not based in scripture and we can raise them in my church growing up if you waited on the table you would be replaced if you didn't show up in a coat and tie because the rule was God expected your best and if you're going to wait on the table you wear a suit and tie and that was just as sinful as going to a dance I'm just kidding as stealing money right? You were punished the same. You would get in trouble. That is man raising themselves up to God. My my rules matter more as much as God's rules do. Right? I've actually had a conversation with someone who asked to be baptized. And this person had only visited once. They had a really rough life. And they said, I don't know enough, but I do know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I am lost tonight, and I've got to do something about it. And I watched two elders tell him, you don't know enough to be a Christian yet. You, you, are, you haven't tried to change your life. Do you even know what it means? He said, all I know is I'm in trouble. And G- if Jesus is God's son, I want to be in. That is, that is raising myself up to God and saying, I'm going to put a new rule in place. I'm going to put a new standard in place. And as appalling as that is, we've got to be careful that we don't do that in other ways. So, All right. I made it through one of my three stories tonight. <laughs> Y'all had some great comments, though. Let me see if there's anything along with this. Um, the other one, pretty simply, and it went along with the others, God alone provides salvation. It wasn't Moses that gave him water. It wasn't Moses that gave him manna. It was God. So, All right. Next week, we're going to do Ten Commandments. And at this rate, it'll take us 28 weeks to get through the Ten Commandments. But we'll do better than that, sir. Thanks, everybody, for your comments tonight.